Welcome to Dramas with a Side of Kimchi, the fangirl party every drama fan wants to join. Grab your kimchi and face masks and let's chat Asian dramas. I'm K-Drama Jen. I'm K-Muse. I'm Drama Geek. And I'm Carrie the Mokne. Don't forget that we have a Patreon page. We have a monthly episode we release exclusively for our patrons. And our patrons also get an exclusive invitation to our Discord server, where we chat daily about the dramas we're watching, participate in group watches, and support each other in our drama addiction. You can find the link in our show notes. For our Patreon members, we are also starting a movie club, and our movie for October is going to be Midnight, which I made K-Drama Jen watch, and she loved it. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's the perfect watch suspense or movie watch for October. It's true. Can I just say, though, don't go to your hotel room and have the lights go out, like the electricity go out after watching because, (laughs) oh my gosh, I was so sure there was a serial killer in my room. It was awful. Yes. But it was a great but it is, show. It is by far one of the best suspense movies oh that gosh. I've watched. So, it was so good. So good. Yes. So oh, I want to watch again. That's amazing. Yes. And just we're watching it by the 27th and then discussing it. So if that's something you want to watch, come come join our Patreon. We have lots of fun things going on. All right. So our topic today, we are all gathered together to talk about moving the final episodes and that's going to be episodes 14 through 20 and hopefully this is a slightly less long (laughs) (laughs) so uh, drama geek and i Mm. recorded the first half of the podcast and we clocked it over two hours i got it down to one hour and 42 minutes but it was a very long podcast (laughs) my study is that for some reason when there's two of us versus the four of us I think the four of us keep each other on task of like not talking too long and so we kind of move on to the next topic but when it's just the two of us we have this thing in the back of our head that we have to fill space or that we just we don't (laughs) I think we're just also super enthusiastic about this because we didn't even go on too many tangents Right. No, I don't, I don't yeah. think we kept it pretty well. And we were trying to cover 13 episodes oh. of a very dense plot mm-hmm. for a show. So we were like, I think we really need to stop doing like full re- reviews of shows or doing we need to go you back know, to the three big- <laughs> show podcast podcast. Yes. Yeah. Because it just makes those po- you know podcasts long, which of course people can just pause and then listen to the other half when they have time. I get that. And if you're a regular listener and you really want to listen to us, but for people who like the shorter podcasts, an hour and 40 minutes for one podcast, that's a long podcast. I think that's probably mm-hmm. our longest podcast that we've ever done. Wow. I don't think. I think that one and the one that the Mockney and I did on my liberation notes mm was mm. also a really long one. Although we may have, did we split? No, I don't know. It was really long. I yeah. remember that. It was long. So I think those full review or most review, I and mean, this is a longer drama. So, I mean, just think about 13 episodes. That's almost an entire drama if it's a 16 episode drama. Very true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> like, well, so, but yes. yes. 
All right, so we will quickly get started so this isn't two hours long. <laughs> and too late. Everyone listening, uh, this is the second half of the podcast. So, of course, there's going to be spoilers. We're not doing any spoiler-free section. If you want spoiler-free section, go check out our first episode and then come back and listen as soon as you're finished. Yes. So, you've been warned. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so it feels like we've been waiting for Gong Hoon's Gong Hoon's story backstory for forever. Was it worth the wait? And is there anything that surprises us about his future plans or his relationship with his dad? So Gong Hoon's backstory, like, what do we mean by that? Just that he's well, strong? because we never gotten anything really about him at all in the first thirteen episodes. We even talked about that. Um, you might not have listened to it yet, but yet. we talked about how out of the teenagers, he was the only one where we didn't really know anything other than he had those powers. We didn't get the backstory of his childhood, of his relationship with his parents, mm, like all mm -hmm. of that. So that's, that's true, what I meant. Yeah. And his was actually really intertwined with his dad's story. Like the it rest was. of them, the parents were very separate from the kids, but Gong Hu and his dad, which, you know, continues throughout the entire series, those two are very tight. Yeah. And I just, I think it was worth the wait because I was curious about E.J. Mon. I wanted to know what in the world was going on and like how he fit into this family and with Gong Hoon, who's obviously very intelligent. And then his dad has some sort of a disability of some sort, a, a mental disability. And so it's like, where his where he came from so it yeah like it was good to kind of see that i don't feel like we still got the full story of how that family formed but at least we got the story of gong hoon and his dad which was the most important um i was not as surprised about his decision to join the nis for black ops or whatever he was aiming for just because he's just he's kind of a straight arrow like that but like almost a narrow-minded straight arrow and so NIS seems like a fit for him. And plus, he wasn't he trying to do what he could to help support his parents, too? Wasn't this like the quickest well, way? Well, he knew that by doing that, they basically had promised that they would get like clear his dad's record. So mm -hmm. I really think he was so driven by trying to help his parents in that way mm -hmm. um, that that's why. And also, you know, he grew up with his dad being away from him. Um, and then having like this sort of like black cloud over him. And so he wanted to be on that side of the law so that he could, I think it was about power, like so that he had some sense of control over his situation. Mm -hmm. that's and that's kind of, I think that final scene with him and the um, director where the yes. director's like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll wipe those records eventually. Or he doesn't, you know, he doesn't fully promise. No promises, really. Yeah. yeah. My and guess so is he held it over his head the whole time. Mm -hmm. And of that's course. why. Like the second he was in high school, he's like, no, what if you do this? This yeah. is what mm -hmm. we're going to do for you. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of the impression I got. Not mm -hmm. necessarily that, oh, this is my goal. This is my dream. This is my dream job. You know, it's just yeah. like. Yeah. quid pro quo and we're gonna put the pressure on you that's exactly what i think i yeah. think his backstory was definitely worth the wait because i had questions about like his connection and you know you would see him come home and um greet his dad who was like crushing cans out out in front of their store and and i wondered about like this like the family connection and so 
having the opportunity to see kind of where it came from and him as a child, some of the, like what he was capable of when he was little. Mm -hmm. um, I thought that was really interesting. So again, I wasn't surprised that with his future plans, I really loved how much his dad loves him. I was really touched by that. Like he just cared for his child so much. Um, mm -hmm. And those were really touching scenes. So I liked the fact because up until you see the backstory, he kind of comes home and you only see him saying hi to his dad and, and his parents and stuff. And you don't really see the same type of connection that he mm -hmm. has with like the other kids have with their parents, which I mean, he's not from a single parent home. It's a little bit different, but it it just seemed like it was a little bit more distant. And then mm -hmm. once you get the backstory, you see that he he really does care a lot for his dad and especially as as the story progresses and the protecting him and every interaction that they have especially like during some of the fight scenes and like all of that it's like you can see how much he's just he's just the same as the other kids and loves his parents and his dad like so much and then the dad it's almost to his detriment yeah like a bulldozer mm -hmm. nothing else gets in his way he doesn't see anything else it's just i have to protect my child and it was one of those like i it, like seeing the parents get together wasn't as important with that family it was mm -hmm. seeing the parents and the child's dynamic was what mm -hmm. was important and i loved um <clears throat> all the backstory and just seeing like how he and how he was connected because he's the only parent that also doesn't seem to have a connection to looking at it. He doesn't seem to have a connection to the NIS or any of that, mm -hmm. but so you get to find out, okay, he actually does. <laughs> and he can't leave his little, the convenience store because of that connection. And so I, I loved, it was worth the wait. And it was one of those where there were some great scenes with him in it. Some of my favorite scenes with him in it. And he just, the, the actor did just an amazing job. Mm -hmm. Well, and I like that in the, through this story is kind of, we finally kind of see the evil NIS director, his like decision. Oh, all of these kids are getting these powers. So that's kind of where you could see it almost like coming to fruition in his head that, all right, next generation. We're going to get these kids earlier. We're going to get them before they have individual personalities kind of and mm -hmm. develop that into these weapons. And I love that scene where he's walking away after realizing it was the sun and just that like smirk and glance mm -hmm. he gives at to the mafia dad, knowing yeah. that the mafia dad has a daughter and mm just that there's a lot of really good plot world building set up through their story that we mm. don't get until episode 14. Yeah. And I really liked how it filled in the blanks on a lot of just the world building aspects of it or the politicking that was going mm. on. So this drama has a long history of parents being total bad donkeys. Does Jamon's story arc continue this trend? And so, um, Jamon is Gong Hoon's dad, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I just want to double check. <laughs> yeah. um, I was like, I don't want to talk about this without uh, making sure. So, um, absolutely. But in a different way, right? Because 
where the others were kind of um, like part of the elite black ops force or whatever that was, you know, they um, and they'd had that training and they'd gone on those missions. He was raw. I felt like like just everything Mm -hmm. about him was emotion. And I mean, we know that he'd sort of been disqualified. He'd been considered, but disqualified because he had an intellectual disability of some kind. And, um, but he was so, I just loved the way he loved his family and would do anything to protect his kid. Um, and we totally get to see that in his, um, backstory and where we learn about, um, you know, how he kind of met the others and, you know, those connections, it just kind of pulled it all together for me. I mean, in some ways, he was the most bad donkey of the group because he just had no limits. Um, he was terrifying. Would do he yeah. was the scariest because he yeah. kind of went into that berserk mode. Yeah, and it's like, oh, oh, that's scary. Like he just suddenly <laughs> he's like this charging, unstoppable force. Yes, that has yeah. no like tactic or anything. He just doesn't stop. Right. There was no real like strategy or no. you know, like I mean you have it's very um, much Hulk smash kind of thing. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so I felt like he, it really added to this story though, because you also got to see him like interacting um and just that level of like like you said, he like kind of went berserk. I mean he just like did his thing and um, it didn't matter who was in the way he was going to do whatever it took to protect his family. Um, and I kind of loved that. Like, but like you said, he, it was kind of scary to watch him do that. Um, because you wouldn't want to get in his way. Um, yeah. he didn't have the same kind of control that the others did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that this really added to the story for sure. Well, and I love all of the interconnecting stories with the parents between all the parents. Yes. And uh, the mafia dad and his connection through the mafia guy having to go in after him into the sewers. And then they Mm -hmm. save that child. That was such a great segment. And I really, really enjoyed it. And so I, I just really enjoyed the whole, whole plot and, the performances were just amazing. Did when you I call like, him? Sorry, I'm just curious. Okay. Did you call him Mafia Dad in the first? <laughs> she does. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. well, he was in the Mafia. Like <laughs> right, you know yeah. me, I suck at names, so I'm like, he was the Mafia Do you want? Dad. Yeah. Was, yeah. Thug. Yeah. Do you want? He was. He was an underling. He was their. He was. He their was the enforcer. enforcer. Yeah. He was yeah. enforcer. Yeah. Okay. He what else would you call him? He was in the mafia. <laughs> Juwan, I would call him by his name. <laughs> I don't, but I'm not like you guys. I don't memorize names. I remember like the what they do, what they say, the character arcs, but names are not my strong suit ever. So <laughs> that works as long as I know who you're referring to. It works for me. <laughs> um, so I think you guys have touched on most of the stuff with his story arc but one thing that was interesting and kind of sad is that his story arc it showed a very up in your face way that they controlled people who had powers instead mm-hmm. of the other ones they were working for him and you can't see my quotation marks because <laughs> this is <laughs> podcast 
but like they were working for him. But after a certain point, none of them were really doing it because they wanted to where and J man story, like he, his was like uh, automatically, like they enforced that they controlled him and they, it by controlling the dad and everything that happened with him, they controlled the son. So mm-hmm. they were able to con- kind of tr- control the next generation. So that part, and like you were saying, his stuff where through him, they were able to see that the kids had powers, whereas they were able to kind of hide that before. So I think that his backstory connecting all of that and kind of showing again how if each, the the show showed each part of our country, um, how they used, once they found out people with power had powers, how they ended up controlling them. And I think that was the, you know, the biggest theme of like the people in power, the people who are making these decisions, how are they controlling each, each person? And I think his was one of the most like upfront and like you were seeing like, okay, they, they controlled his every move and because of, of the things that had happened. So that's, that was one of the biggest takeaways other than all the things that you guys already said about his powers and and how uh, bad, bad donkey he was. Yeah. And I think I think too it was kind of interesting because you know we get a sense as we went through 1 through 13 of how interconnected their stories were but how it comes to a head with Jaymon's story even though he's not really totally connected with them the way that they're connected with each other Juwan and Mihyan and Doshik. And mm-hmm. so to that to me that's skillful writing just that they're able to pull things together in this one character who's kind of related to them. And yet with him, he's the key to understanding the entire situation. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I thought that was pretty cool. I also loved the juxtaposition because you can have some people who are like simmering angry all the time and then they Hulk smash. But he's just so very gentle. Like the only thing that triggers him is threat to his family. Yeah. And so to have that gentility that nobody else really has. I mean, Dushik is sweet. And Hyun is focused and Juwan is just Juwan and I love him to pieces. <laughs> and um but he's just he is so sweet and so very different from them. And yet I think he's probably the strongest of them all in his own way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah, he, his character, like he is a bad donkey just through being just so I don't want to say one-dimensional, but kind of in or is unpredictable in some ways too. Yes, like, mm-hmm. I mean you just don't know how far he's going to go because mm-hmm. I mean he's going to go as far as he's, he needs to to protect yeah, his exactly. family. He will do anything, and he has no limits. So yeah, it was just he was a fascinating character. The more we talk about, it, the more I'm like, oh wow, yeah, <laughs> he was yeah. really well done. I loved him. Yeah. All right, to switch things up a little bit. So we continue with the dual romances of the parents and the kids. Um, Are they still making a swoon and any scenes that stood out? And um, any scene that they show with the parents and the couples from the past and the teen couple, I swooned. They just did such a good job of establishing um, all of their relationships. And so every time they interacted um, even during fight scenes where <laughs> you're, you just like almost died and you've got like t- teeny tiny little moments and you're like, I like you. Me too. Like it was yeah. <laughs> during the, uh, during the, the gym scene mm-hmm. in particular yeah. with the, yes. the young and they are probably, I would say maybe top 
number one teen couple I think I have ever seen in a K-drama. I just love them so much. It was natural. It was swoony. They supported each other every time they needed to support each other. And then they were just so cute. So I can't remember a lot of the parent scenes in the last from 14 to 20, just because, you know, by that time we were more into all of the 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 final action and all that kind of stuff. So the one that stands out the most to me is the gym scene between the teenagers. Yeah, I really like that. And in the ending, I like how she took a bullet for him and has the bullet oh. still in. Mm-hmm. Just like her dad took a bullet for the dad. Yes. Yeah. Bullet still mm-hmm. I love that ongoing connection. And with the parents, I really loved when he's back and the roof mm-hmm. of their new place is all mm-hmm. purple. Mm-hmm. And just that whole scene. And when she realized he was back and just you could see everything just overwhelmingly emotional joy that he had returned. And I'm just like, <gasps> is so sweet i'm so overwhelmed with joy that they're together again and it was like a 30 second scene but it was so impactful Mm -hmm. and i love that and of course the confession scene for the younger kids so good and i think i've mentioned before i've really just not been feeling a lot of romances where it's the insta love and all that and i felt like they really took their time for these two to get to know each other go through the friendship stages and it's so rare that we get that in teen shows. It's always the, oh, you're cute. Let's date. Or, oh, we're fighting. Let's date. Um, <laughs> and so it was really nice to have a slow burn relationship that developed and just felt so organic. And we so rarely have it. And I have to agree, one of the best teen romances ever. Yeah, they were just they were just total sweetness. And I think I would contribute a lot of that to her optimism and his just total sunshine personality. Like even the fact that he was yellow man at the end because he wouldn't give up the yellow coat. (laughs) Like that is just so bong sok. That is so Uh him. Mm -hmm. And so I I think that too contributed to the fact that I was rooting for them because as much as I love high school romances, like I have my doubts about them actually happening in real life. And I'm like, okay, this one, Mm -hmm. maybe I could see, but you know, there's the whole trauma bonding and things like that. (laughs) But it did kind of make me mad because I wanted to enjoy the family reunion on the purple roof so much longer. And we got only 30 seconds. And I was like, I love this. Why is it ending? But I felt that it was the perfect amount of time because I I feel like there's too much to for them to reunite and go over with Mm -hmm. it to be on camera. And so I I was okay. just the two of them connecting, you know, as much as he's missed out on Bong Sok's, you know, almost entire life. I just what drew me into them was those two connecting. And so I wanted to see them connecting again. See, and mm. I loved the ending. I thought it was perfect. I didn't necessarily need more of it because that just fills out an already full plot line. Mm-hmm. So I like okay. that we got a snippet. It was complete. <laughs> that was good. Again, just I think that the dual romances so much of this was swoony i love um i love the two teenagers together i just thought they were so sweet and supportive of one another and can we just talk for a minute about how adorable the kim bon suk is and um and the actor uh (laughs) Mm -hmm. lee jung ha like gained a lot of weight 
for mm-hmm. that particular role. I just watched Nevertheless, and he he has a quick um, part in it, and I couldn't believe it was the same person. And then he was in Rookie Historian, like totally different look. Um, and I really appreciate that about a young actor when they're willing to just kind of immerse themselves in the role and do what they need to do to really like portray that particular um, part. I just thought that was amazing. And then of course, I think my favorite couple is the um, Mihyun and Dushik um, combination. Again, just from an actress perspective, wow, she's amazing. I d- it took me halfway through the drama to realize that she was the lead in happiness. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was just like, she's like a different person. Like she's mm-hmm. so, so good. Um, so I just, I felt like the acting was so good and I loved all of those little moments, all those things that, that you have already brought up. Um, but in particular, just how genuine and supportive they were. Oh my gosh. And how adorable every time, um, like she would say, like before she said something to him, she would like make sure that he was weighted down because, (laughs) because it was so sweet that, you know, she made him feel so good that he had to like recite the recite pie. Um, it was adorable. (laughs) So I was, I, I just loved the dual romances. I thought that those were sweet and just being able to see the, how the parents came together and kind of what that backstory was like really helped make the whole story so much richer. Yeah. So we find out what happened to Dushik. Were we surprised? Was it what we expected? To be ex- like completely honest, I was a little surprised. It didn't even cross my mind that they might have turned him over to the North Koreans. I was completely shocked. Um, I was I wasn't sure if they were like blackmailing him or keeping him in a prison or something but I didn't think that they'd send him back to North Korea I loved the whole scene of seeing him going in for the assassination and how much mercy he showed everybody Mm -hmm. Um, again even from that point he was already looking at people not as the enemy but as unfortunate side side, um, consequences of government issues you know the two governments fighting each other and i think that's one of the big stories we got from uh part two the second well i guess the last third of the show is that there's a lot of innocent people that were get being forced into doing bad things including him and there was consequences and his consequence was living in a prison with no window for many 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 years and I did kind of laugh to myself because he looked pretty good for living in a hole <laughs> for a very long time. Yep. He had like an artful beard, but yep. he did not look, you know, uh, as traumatized and, and downtrodden as I would have suspected after living, what, 15 years in a hole. Mm-hmm. So, so that's kind yeah. of my thoughts on that. I, I thought it was really well done. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I I was surprised too because I honestly thought that somehow maybe they had just quietly killed him. And so I didn't want that. That's just what I expected because that's about how much I trusted that NIS director. And so to have him come back alive was amazing. And I loved that 
the person who gave him the handcuff keys was the father from the North Korean team, the one who was very much, I'm doing this for my family. So it was a connection between the two fathers, which I'll get into later, because it just, he understood, you know, he was the one North Korean who would be like, you want to go back to your family. Because I think he figured out that Bong Sok was his son, right? Yeah, no, they knew that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. they yeah. figured it out. All of the, the different people had figured it out when they were in mm-hmm. the battle. Yeah. So. And so I just, I loved their little connection. I loved that he was the one that set Dochik free. And then I loved their their kind of parallel actions to end the the government using them and their children as pawns, how well, they both if, went in. If you think about it, like pretty much what the North Korean bad guy leader was saying is that he's going to start the phase of, of their kids being mm-hmm. into the government, which would have mean his kid. So, yep. yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and so I was like, they both cut off the head of the Hydra. Yeah. yeah, you know, to protect their families, and so I loved, I loved that moment, and I love that Doshik got to, Doshik got to do that because he hasn't, you know, in this last third of the drama, there's not much for him to do, but he did what he could, and that was significant. Very significant. I think that, I mean, I agree with everything you just said. Um, I was also surprised for some reason. I also thought that they had just quietly killed him. I felt like. Um, I, I guess I felt like maybe his wife knew and, you know, and they were just kind of moving on. Um, like she, she thought that he was dead, but um, so I was, I was <laughs> kind of surprised um, by how everything went down. But I also thought that it was really poetic, like the way that, that this was written and that connection. Um, I have loved throughout this drama how they have humanized people that were would normally be vilified. And I think that um, that is one of the really huge strengths of this drama is that you get to see that these are people who have been faced with really tough decisions and trauma and, you know, all kinds of things. And they've had to make choices um, where they ended up doing some bad things, but in like, they did a really good job of helping us really understand like why. I mean, and that started from the very beginning with Frank. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't listened to your podcast, so I'm assuming you probably mm-hmm. talked about that. But again, mm-hmm. all the way through this drama, just the um, the humanization of people who otherwise were treated like monsters by the people who supposedly were like protecting them or... Um, employing them or whatever it was so i've really that that's something i think is just amazing about this drama agreed you can't see it but i'm nodding along with everything you just said (laughs) (laughs) so i i think maybe i'm the only one that went down a bunch of twitter rabbit holes for this drama because (laughs) i from very early on was like he's in a prison somewhere he's either on the south side or the north side He's somewhere in a prison and we're going to get him back by the end only because the drama did such a great job and spent so much time on like painting every place that she lived with purple on the roof. There was always purple on whatever building that she lived in. She, you know, kept the name of her restaurant in a, in a way that in the exact location of like where her restaurant was, was like what he had said he wanted to do if they could, you know, get done with their farming out 
you know, further out, he wanted to move closer to Seoul and he wanted to have the restaurant. And so like, there was just so many things. And then there's also just promo pictures of her looking up in the sky. And so again, it's not my own like detective work. It was group effort (laughs) from everybody (laughs) on Twitter. But so I figured I was surprised at how long it took to get him back in because I literally he probably went in and filmed for what a week and he all of his scenes could be completed because <laughs> he really wasn't in the drama but he was such an important part of the drama and created such uh an important like tone um that he was important enough to have that actor play him you know what I mean like he yeah. that person do it so um I was very happy when um they let you you know they give you the little breadcrumbs that he was the one that was in the 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 cell I don't know if you'd call it a cell the hole in the ground mm-hmm. <laughs> next to the other the, the North Korean guy with powers and so it was like okay so that's how and I was like I don't know exactly how he's gonna get out how he's gonna escape or what how he's gonna show up at some point in time but up until that I was like kept expecting him during some of the final fight scenes where I was like, he has to come and protect his wife and his child. Of course he doesn't because he's not free at that point in time. But I, I loved, um, like the Mokne said about the correlation between him and the person who freed him. And so I, I really loved everything about the reveal, um, and how he came back and all of that. So yeah, it was, it was a good, good storyline. Yes. All right. So the last third of the drama shifts the focus to the North Koreans that we've been talking about. And we get a flashback of Dushik's assassination attempt. Attempt. I can talk today. (laughs) As well as the aftermath of North Korea creating its own super soldier program. So how are the two programs different and how are they the same? Is either better than the other? Neither of them is good. None of this is good. (laughs) There is no better. So the programs are different probably just in their creation. One was by force and one was by deceit. So Mm -hmm. North Korea was by force and South Mm -hmm. Korea was by deceit. And then how they're the same. I feel like I'm answering a test question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They're the same in the way that they just, they used the supers and they lied to them and they used whatever leverage they had to, to get the supers to do what they wanted them to do, which was move against each other. It was interesting how North Korea didn't, originate any of it they always just copied south korea's ideas so i thought that was an interesting dig at north korea (laughs) 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 and and then other than that i just i have to agree like with what k drama jen was saying earlier the way that they just humanized all the north korean supers and even their leader like you saw from the very beginning that he leaned towards mercy but he was living in a place that does not allow mercy and so he gets in trouble for that and so he was phenomenal and it made me sad when he died and just to see them all and see them as just human beings at the mercy of these shadowy governments who just want to obliterate each other. And it's like, cause I think there was one episode that the title was humanist and I yes. felt like that was the whole point of the show is mm. all of this violence and everything is being perpetuated by the governments. But what was good was being a humanist was focusing on the individual Mm -hmm. and so the fact that i don't know there was um the guy who clapped oh sonic clap dude Mm. he was the hardest to like just because he was gross 
<laughs> but um, I thought next to him, I thought the big mountain-sized guy was next to him in the cells because I thought that's why they were best friends was because yes. they communicated through the cells. Yes, and that's so, my understanding too. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. And so, but like Sonic Clap, dude. By the end, I didn't hate him as much, but just because Mountain Guy was grieving over the loss of Aww. his best friend. But also the, I mean. That was a child of trauma, right? Uh -huh. like, yeah. Uh, they they basically, I mean, from the time he was very young, he was forced to like live in darkness. And mm -hmm. I mean, like he was tortured really by mm -hmm. yeah. you know, not having light and not having, you know, people to talk to. And all he had was this person on the other side. Mm -hmm. Um and so when he finally like has a uh, something to do, but he still is like kept in a suitcase. I mean, like, and mm -hmm. that's where he felt safest. So yeah. he was just so broken in so many ways. I just felt a lot of compassion for him because of everything that he had been through um, by no choice of his own. And okay. so I think, again, the drama really made me feel and whether or not I liked a particular character, I at least understood their motivation. And they mm -hmm. just did such a great, great job with that. When we think about the differences in the programs, I mean, I do not think that either is better than the other. I think that, you know, um, as uh, the Machne said, like one was by force, one was by deceit. Um, and at least the one that was by force, like at least it was out there and honest and clear. Like, <laughs> here's what you're doing or, you know, um, and also it was interesting because, you know, again, both have these shadowy government issues um, and it's almost like, I mean, there was certainly a message there of like, um, hmm, you know, just because it's not in your face doesn't like the forceful way of doing it doesn't mean that it's any really any better to be mm. deceitful mm. and. Um, I mean, like this uh, director who's doing all of these things kind of without the knowledge of of the Blue House and all of those kinds of pieces um, with the politicking. I thought they did a really good job of sending that message of like, you know, just because they didn't force them to jump off a cliff and see who had powers doesn't mean that they're that much better. Um, they still like forced people in their own way. So I, um, I thought it was a really interesting way to show, um, through Dushik's uh, flashback, um, his humanity where he tried to save people. And mm -hmm. then the fact that that was not seen as a positive thing, because basically all of those people are going to be killed anyway, um, in theory, because they allowed him to, to enter or whatever. So mm -hmm. yeah, really well done. Really, really well done. So Juwan wasn't made to jump off a cliff, but he was still tested and pushed in a very traumatic, similar fashion, I believe. Like, cause like yeah. the, what they put him mm -hmm. through to like prove that he was a monster um, was very similar to me to jumping off a cliff and having to climb up the cliff with all of your bones breaking and then re rehealing. And then, you know, he, they, they, they did a lot to him. I do want to point out that, uh, my name 
hottie. So the <laughs> the gangster uh guy from my name that we were all just like, oh my gosh, his character we love is him. so hot. We love him. He was the North hot Korean. North Korean. The hot North Korean. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't play up his hotness in this one necessarily, whereas still they came definitely through. playing when he up was his in hotness. Full, <laughs> when he was in his full uniform, it came through. Right. But I mean, his his tears and they weren't like mm-hmm. gushing tears or anything like that. They were just a very teary eye where you saw a little bit of the tears escape his eyes while the people were had jumped off the cliff and they were climbing up like he established that humanity so quickly. And so like you just were like, oh, my gosh, like this person isn't doing what they don't want to be doing any of this. He's being forced to do it. And he did such a great job. And because when we first see him like getting out of the car and going into the school, like he's not showing any of that emotion. He's being very stone faced. But then when you see the flashback, you're like, okay, he doesn't really even want to be there either. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, he doesn't want to be doing any of this stuff. And I felt the layers were given to all the people with powers or anybody surrounding that. And the people who were in power, especially like the ones that did not have superpowers, so sorry, in power as in political power versus powers, um, they didn't get that. They didn't really get layers and they didn't get a lot of humanity shown. It was just this like, not that they weren't good characters, but the show made a decision to like, or the writer made that decision of like, we're sympathetic and we see the humanity of all of these people that are being used by the government or who or whatever. And I said, like, if you even go back to Frank's story and the Americans version of what, I mean, if you want to compare like all three of them, like the Americans version was pretty traumatic. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was bad. Awful. So all of them were bad in their own ways. But um, the the people who are in control and in power were definitely the ones who we didn't really get to see any type of redemptive qualities from them at all. So I'm slightly traumatized that Carrie is all like I <laughs> connect I with the clapping guy because he traumatized me. I felt for him he... as soon as he came on, like as soon as I oh, explained and it, he it was broke ugh. his arm and so the only way he could save his best friend was oh, to yeah. kill himself and smack Ugh. against the ground I know. to create and save his friend because he knew mm. his friend would survive it and that <sighs> just like devastated me oh my I word know. the trauma in my soul yeah it's like wherever regardless of what government he's going for that was just pure self-sacrificing mm-hmm. and just my heart just broke for those people. Oh my gosh, that bromance, like that friendship was so amazing. So well done. In such a twisted way, right? In such a traumatic way. But even like the aftermath when he's mourning his friend. Oh, I mean. And his friend's all like, it's okay. I'm I'm in an okay place now. Yeah, it was just like... (gasps) The tears. Oh my gosh, okay, the I drama. Forgotten about that part a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I just oh I remember the, the only part one that when was they opened his was cell. sniffer. The sniffer oh, guy was the uh, one that was gross. He's also yes. he didn't get any redemptive. Like he, he didn't he was just it. creepy was a, and gross. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. Sniffer. Yeah. Blech. He was 
yucky. <laughs> and the ear hair, the ear hair. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't think we mentioned that in the first podcast. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't think so. We just talked about how annoying he was and the sniffing. <laughs> the, the sniffing. <laughs> As I sniff, I've got a cold. <laughs> Not trying to locate a superpower person. <laughs> All right. So the North Koreans infiltrate the school and are told to kill the parents and teachers, get the files on the possible super kids and come back to North Korea. So which of the new foes stands out to us? And did we like this plot? I actually thought this added so much because here they're coming over from North Korea. They have... um really similar powers to the people that we've already been introduced to. And I thought it was just really interesting to see how they kind of stacked up against, um, especially when the parents got involved. Um, I thought that was really interesting. Um, Of course, the one that really stood out to me was the clapping, you know, sonic Mm. clap power because, um, okay, that's crazy. Um, (laughs) Like, how does took one out half the school exactly. I know. how does one gain powers such as that i had some questions but um <laughs> i actually yeah i liked that they had just a very clear mission yet they ended up sort of um additional things got in the way and so um before you know it they were the with the parents involved in things they had to they went after the kids too and so but in the beginning they really just were going to get the files on the kids um they you know i don't yeah, believe and maybe that, test them just a little them. to see if they do have powers yes it wasn't a full murderer all the kids kind of thing mm. exactly but but you know things happen so right <laughs> <laughs> you just never know i mean if you're yeah. flying around and you you know um, but yes, I thought that this actually added a lot because we were able to really see, I mean, we saw from Frank coming from the U.S., we saw like, okay, there's other people that have these powers. And now we see, and we did get to see way back when um, in North Korea, we did see that there were others, um, but I loved kind of like how it all came together here. Um and I also appreciated that the original mission was just to test the kids, get their files, and get rid of the the old generation people, similar to Frank's earlier mission. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it was actually a, a good, it kind of helped pull it all together. And it was perfect to be able to have the parents come and the youth sort of come into their own and understand like what they could do and their own potential. I thought that was really interesting. Um, the guy that stands out to me because, and we've already mentioned like his role at the end, but the guy that from North Korea that flies, um, Mm -hmm. I've always really liked that actor. Um, but I, I loved his, like, he gave off this, like a bit creepy vibe of you weren't quite sure what he was going to do to the kids, but also didn't ever intend, like he never intended to really hurt them. And you could kind of tell that, but you were also like, oh my gosh, he's after the kids. So there was still that tension there. Um, but I really liked the way his story played out. And then that just quick them showing, you know, how he had um, been kind of forced into it. And then his kids and he was the perfect reflection 
of um their you know the, what they were going through and him having that motivation of like I'm stopping this on my side too because I don't want my kids to do it so he really stood out and I I felt like bringing um the North Koreans over there and then showing there because at first I was like are we really doing more backstory at this late in the game? But then they started showing the backstory. I'm like, oh, we need this. This is very important. And I always find it interesting and um, kind of like in Crash Landing for you, how they were able to really show the North Korean people and really give them identities and and humanize them and really make it to where, again, it's the government, not the people. And bringing them over really emphasized that where it was they were all pretty much reflections of the people on the South Korean side having to do these horrible things and not wanting to and each one of their sacrifices because more than one of them like dies or kills himself or whatever during during all of it and I just really liked that it was this whole breakdown of as you kept fighting each other, you were like, wait a minute, don't, don't kill him. And I'm like, what, what I'm, I'm upset because he might kill it, the, uh, the person that's trying to kill him. But again, you're seeing the backstory and they did such a good job that like when the big guy was crying that the other guy died, I was crying too. I was like, oh my gosh, he's got me crying. <laughs> like, but <clears throat> it was done so well. And it was such a, important part of that end plot of the show and I was so excited to see him now because he's very distinctive he has a very distinctive voice Mm -hmm. and he always has kind of that almost like street fighter quality to his roles Mm -hmm. and it worked really well in here and so I really liked that I really liked that he got that closure where he got to protect what was important to him and that the other sacrificed so he could go protect what was important to him and kill the North Korean leader that was fighting with the South Korean leader. It was like almost like a who's who is the bigger, you know, bad donkey. And neither of mm-hmm. them really were because neither of them had like powers of their own, but they controlled the people with the powers. So. I liked that whole thing. I I like the whole North Korean plot. I felt that it was kind of refreshing. I thought we were going to get six more episodes of just the NIS bad guy, like doing Machiavellian plotting. And so this was kind <laughs> of a nice shift on what I was expecting the plot to go to. And it also gave us an excuse to see all the parents come together and kick butt, which I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed seeing all the parents get to show off and be so powerful and kind of connect all back in together. So I did like that aspect of the drama. Yeah, that was one of those things I was waiting for was all the super parents to kind of team up. And I I kept wanting it to happen early, earlier, especially since so many of them had been connected through the NIS. But I also understood why later I understood why they couldn't. So it was fun to see them. Well, fun. None of that was fun, <laughs> but it was cool to see them connect and communicate. And even just when Mi Hyun is leaving the office and she just whispers CCTV to Juwan and like all of a sudden he totally clues in into everything that's happening and just showing that connection and that how their past history kind of informs how they're able to relate to each other. I loved that. But anyway, I felt it was a little sad, though, that we didn't get more teaming up. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like there were yeah. so many separate battles between the parents and the I would have liked a lot more, okay, we're teaming up to take down the bad guys all together, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. And I felt yeah. like we didn't get that. And I that was my one disappointment was that we didn't get that massive the connection between yeah, group battle. Or yeah. even with the kids involved with the battle, we got a little bit of it, but not the way I was expecting. I guess. Well, I wonder if we would have lost the humanist aspect of it, the individual stories, if they had had a group battle. Just a yeah, but thought. there were so many individual battles that it was really hard to keep track of them all. And I would get focused, and then it had switched to someone else, and then I totally forget that the other ones are even fighting. Mm-hmm. And so I felt that went on a little too long. Mm. Especially yeah. with the two strongmen, like they're oh yeah. like, okay, this is getting <laughs> like, boring. No one's going to win. <laughs> right? No one is going to win. Thank uh, goodness for Clapper guy to right? stop that. <laughs> and then they ended up being besties and now he's I, an honorary uncle. I know. That I loved. I that loved was the that. best. I 100% yes. loved oh, Don't yeah. miss with that girl because she's protected. Right? <laughs> Not uh, that yep. she needs it, but. No, no. no he was actually, the mountain guy was actually my new favorite. I didn't see a lot because I would fast forward through any fight that Juwan was in just because it was so brutal. And, I mean, the, uh, and they made a so lot that of would explain why you, yeah. yeah. That would explain why you didn't get that fatigue because yeah. I yep. love fighting. I love action sequences. Yeah. I was getting a little fatigued. Yeah. 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 Now they could have cut out more of that and had or a little bit more. Some of it. Something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So I was actually, I was skipping through a lot there. Like if I started, you could get a sense of the, or at least I was, was getting a sense of they were trying to film something cool and edgy. Some hitting that point in the rhythm of the fight. And I would be like, all right, skip, skip, skip. Find me something <laughs> and not fighting. Well, and then that might be why you didn't connect in with the clapping guy as much too. Yeah, I may have missed a couple of things. You yeah. might have missed some of that. Because, mm-hmm. oh my word, the trauma. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but I will say, I have to say, so it's a sleeper high school because Sniffer set it up. But I loved how the PE teacher ended up really loving these kids and getting so just invested in his sleeper role. And then, you know, reverting to his NIS self to protect the obnoxious student and just how that kind of twisted things. Because, you know, it was easy to see the obnoxious student is just one note villain. And there he is kind of protecting video girl. And then to have the teacher step up, even though he's been annoyed with the obnoxious guy. And protecting them. And, you know, none of them have superpowers. None of them have any skin in this game. They just want out of the school. Well, except for the PE teacher. He wants to just protect all his students. And I loved the turn in his story that he got to step up as a protector, even though he had no powers. And he was outmatched, but he still somehow survived. And he still somehow kept his students alive as much as he could. And I thought I thought that was an interesting part of the plot, to have him as a foil to everybody else who's using their powers to pound each other. And then there's him just doing what he can with his his gun and his inadequate skills. And yet he still managed to do what he needed to do. Yeah. I'm glad we got his story arc. That really added to some of the humanity that, you know, all of the non-superpower people were not out to take advantage. Mm-hmm. And I was glad when the other teacher got killed. I was that was very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I he loved was his, an idiot. His on the nose line. I haven't even done anything yet. I'm like, yeah, no, you haven't, and that's okay. Yeah. 
Okay. So were the children prepared for what having powers would mean in their lives? Do we agree with the parents protecting to the cost of them not knowing how to protect themselves? And this is a conversation that came use and I had (laughs) as we finished up and it was like, okay, I get completely protecting your kids and not wanting to let their power show because it's kind of the Incredibles uh, situation here where it's like they pr- made them not use their power so much that like they they were definitely not prepared for some of these fight scenes. Yes, no. they pushed through and they were able to to get but the if job they were done. Really after but, them, they would have gotten right. killed. Yeah, yeah. If they mm-hmm. if he went and he wasn't just testing them, they would have for sure be dead. They they would be gone. So I I understand the parents' decision. Um especially with uh, uh Dushik's like that whole situation of like him going missing and not wanting to call and he I mean flying is a is a hard thing to to hide <laughs> versus <laughs> like the other girl like come on you're you're you were in it not that he had to learn like martial arts but her dad um was protected himself in ways that he could have kind of bestowed a little bit of that knowledge upon her and he didn't. So the only one that was somewhat prepared was um the the other guy. Why well, don't I can't I can't remember his the name. The strength and the strength oh, yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. And even that yeah. not really exactly yeah, no, like what was the school life. training him to do? The tr- school's program was actually fairly very, very weak. <laughs> it was like, like we're gonna make put you, you in run PE in the gym and see what you can do. <laughs> in PE. Yeah, no. There was... The PE teacher lost sight of his actual mission. <laughs> Maybe. But there was no but the, the kids were were not were not prepared. Like that was and I understand the parents' decision, but yes, I, I do not think that they were prepared properly. And it was so frustrating because it's like, you know that people are going to try to take advantage of your kids. You mm. are aware of what they're going to be up against as they go through life. And mm-hmm. to leave them completely defenseless, it's just, it's like, you know, you should have been like, trying to figure out how to teach your kid how to fly find a like you were in a gymnasium throw him up and watch him figure it out you mm-hmm. know but it, they were so not used to just using their skills other than the occasional being forced into the situation that they were not prepared at all and that's in the lifestyle that all those parents come from and knowing what is out there, I felt that was kind of neglectful. And I the only one that had an excuse was the strong man because he didn't really know what was going on. <laughs> yeah. So that but was yeah, the only I... excuse. I That is my one complaint is the parents were so trying to hide and protect them and give them their normal life so much. It's like mm-hmm. they're not normal. They're not ever going to be normal. So you have to teach them how to protect themselves for when you're not there and how, you know, if bad people are trying to use them, how to protect themselves. And I just felt that that was a missed opportunity to, you know, prepare them a little for possible North Korean invasions by (laughs) terrorists. So. I I do have to say it was kind of disappointing that Mihyun was allowing herself to live in fear like that. But at the same time, I understand it because she doesn't know how to teach Bong Sook how to fly. She doesn't but, know anything about it. 
but you could still like take him to that gymnasium where he can't float up into the atmosphere and have him practice pushing off things and then he can grab some rope and pull himself down. I mean, there are options and none of that was, you know, you have to get creative, but there are options that could have been used to give him more um, idea of how to use his powers. Cause obviously he can, cause his dad did. Mm-hmm. And so, but it was just ignored, like let's pretend they don't exist and try to hide everything. So I felt that was not sensible. So for anyway. me, I think that, I don't know, this really, this whole story arc sort of really resonated with me as a parent where I was thinking about, you know, um, so I have a lot of children and the, <laughs> the first one, um, I really tried to, we really sheltered him and he was really protected from all of the crazy stuff that happens outside um, because I grew up in a different way. And so I wanted to make sure that, you know, his world was um, different and that he was protected. And in the end, did him a disservice by overprotecting so that because you, you know, eventually they do have to face that world outside. And so um, I feel like with the other ones, we were a little more aware and we were like, okay, you have to try this. You have to challenge yourself in this way. Um And so I could really understand um, kind of where they were coming from, especially in the sense of like, so um, Bonesuk's mom really wanted to like keep him protected and hidden. And her way of doing that was to try to like do whatever she could so that he didn't come into his powers um, because she was trying to keep him hidden. Whereas I think a little bit later on, if she'd had just a little more time to kind of understand that he actually would have been better off if she had taught him how to use his powers and then he was able to control them and then it would be easier to hide them. But I think she was just running scared at that point and he was her Mm -hmm. first kid. And so you Mm -hmm. kind of make Mm -hmm. mistakes with your first one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry to my eldest. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. but, so yeah. that is why Janet is the way she is. <laughs> I like the first oh. pancake. I'm sorry. Oh. You do better with the rest. That's anyway. <laughs> All right. So were there any characters that we felt were not essential to the plot? And why do we think they were even added? So this one, I know this... Uh, this question is for was, you, and I yeah, have to this debate is me. you on it. I'm going well, to debate that's you why on you this. Looked at it. Like, why is <laughs> yes. this important? Why? <laughs> well, okay, I don't think that he was not essential, but Lightning Man, okay? He was so important. He I was. Love Lightning he Man. was so important. And okay. the question as to why they keep giving him a bus remains. <laughs> <laughs> like, they so really liked him. down the gates, and his one very... I mean, he was there. Like, his whole story... Led up to the point of just that one lightning shot that he did that saved me. And it saved the day. Yeah. And everyone had put him to the side and thought he wasn't worth anything. And in the end, he is what saved everybody. And he is epic. So you have a kid with no father and you have somebody who's looking out for him and protecting him. And he's hero worshipped. 
I can't say it. Bungie man. Is that? Yeah. 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 You've hero worshiped him. He gets to see him and he gains courage from his actions. And he even uses some of his like, like when he's flying. So it's a combo of like what he gained from his father and the little bit he knew and this character and what he got from him and that relationship that they had. And then he applied that to his powers and how he was able to then pull strength from within and, and fight the guy and learn how to fly and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And he also knew who the, he knew that he was the actor. And so I love that part that he recognized (laughs) and he's all like, he'll be always be this actor to me. And he gave me so much when I was young. Yeah. I loved Mm -hmm. that throwaway sentence right Mm -hmm. in that little section when he was talking to the girl and I was all like, oh my word, that's awesome. And yeah. and again, him stealing so many freaking buses. <laughs> it was cool. I love that character. I am so glad he was in it. Mm-hmm. I'm oh, not even too. a huge fan of the actor, but I loved him in this role. Well, in his story, the reason I asked that, it was just because his story was so much, like he was so solo for his story. He never connected with any of the other supers. I'm not sure he even knew who they were until Bong Sook came onto the picture and he's like, oh, something's different about this kid. And so it just, like, he's very much an outlier. And yet, yes, he was so essential. And the thing that bothered me, like, I was sitting there yelling as soon as he crashed the bus the first time or ran him over to the police station so that he could get rid of the North Korean flying agent. Mm. And I was just like, I want him to call someone. He needs to call someone. And I was so mad. But at who he would so he dis- call? Exactly. And he didn't know that the man was specifically after the kids. He just knew that the man was, something was wrong. Yeah. Because he saw that he was floating. So he knew there was some special. Oh, no. He knew that, he knew that he was after the kids. Well, no, because he was just watching him. Because he was just like really suspicious about what was going on. And, but I don't think he was like, oh, the kids are in danger or he would have gone. Because the second he found out they were in danger, he followed to the school. Okay. Yeah, I guess. I think he was just worried that he was a danger to the people on the bus. Okay. Yeah, maybe. I just, I saw it that he thought that the guy might be a danger to the kids. And then when he was. Because remember the second he saw the girl when she ran in front of the bus and she says, there's, I got to go to school. He knew something was wrong and he followed to help her. Mm -hmm. And I think if he had really thought that that man was after those two kids, he would have, you know, been more proactive. Well, no. I mean, when he had to talk to the police, he didn't realize that they ran off. So he, again, well, I think he too. was protecting everybody, including the kids, and he was worried about them. And because he was hovering to the close to the kids so much. The other importance of his character is the coach. He showed and represented that the coach had tried so many times to like get somebody through the program. Mm, mm-hmm. And he was one of those, like, this is what happens when somebody with superpowers doesn't get through the program is they're kind of left out on their them. own. Yeah. <laughs> or doesn't yeah. use them. He's kind of left out on his own. And so he doesn't have anybody to call. He doesn't have anybody to call because he wasn't allowed to be a part of the program. He doesn't, okay. but he the also was allowed to just, program. Right. He was just allowed to be, <laughs> live his own life, but he's so- still. For me, you know. he was sort of kind of like a reflection of like what happened with Jamon because mm-hmm. Jamon, you know, had all this potential, 
but they discarded him and they were like, mm. okay, you don't fit, you know, the, the mold of what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. And then we have this kid that they encouraged him to, they, and he really believed that he had aptitude in PE or whatever it is that they were saying. Right? <laughs> and then, and then they're like, why don't you try the entertainment industry? Um, right. <laughs> and I felt like it was, it gave us another view of like, okay, so they have a certain vision of who fits and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. was discarded just like Jamon was, you know, kind of considered and then thrown aside. And mm-hmm. people throughout, like the way that they would test people and be like, oh, nope, this one. Oh, yes, this one or whatever. Um, I also thought it was important because we have that connection with his dad, um, with mm-hmm. those early scenes with Frank and mm-hmm. um, how he can like touch the battery and mm-hmm. and see what happened and so on. Um, I actually, yeah, I thought his connection with the kids um, and just that he was like that older mentor, just, I mean, he was the bus driver, but he always had that connection. Um, mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. loved that he came in and saved the day in the end. Again, it was defying the expectations mm-hmm. of like the, what they considered the ideal type or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt, I feel like Jamon as well as this character, both um, kind of broke that mold and showed like, okay, you might not think that I am as good as all these others, but look, I can do these things. And I, I can also... destroy someone's arm That's if right. I step <laughs> on a battery. That's right. I also thought yeah. it was interesting though, that it, um, when we think about like the North Koreans and how they accepted people who were definitely um flawed i guess in some ways mm-hmm, or didn't have mm-hmm. like the full package and you know able to strategize and whatnot because you have that with the sonic clapping person right um mm-hmm. and so i thought that was interesting like oh north korean um they found a way to use people um mm-hmm. even if they didn't fit that perfect mold and i thought that was also very interesting so know who was pointless <laughs> the girl <laughs> with the phone the phone girl. Oh, was, yes. oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, she was definitely. And I was contemplating this. And the only way I can realize that she and the other kid, the bully kid, are at mm. all important is maybe they have a bigger role in the webtoon mm. that just mm-hmm. wasn't translated. Well, and her video is what made people, yes. like, made the people well, yeah. stand yeah. up and go, like. have her come back to school. They no. also yeah. had to show, though, I think that the school wasn't just for the ones with superpowers. And so they right. had to kind of show we can some murder people. young, innocent people, too. Right. <laughs> like, try to steal their phone back. So how do you guys feel about how the story wrapped up? And was there anything you were hoping for that didn't happen? I kind of talked about that with the the group fight. Mm. And but which final character moment did we enjoy the most? I had talked about the parents reuniting. That was really good. And of course, I loved that the North Korean is now working with the dad doing chicken. And it's hilarious that two of the most terrifying, strongest men in the world are <laughs> not chicken. selling chicken very well. <laughs> and so it was just like, oh, this is cute. And the whole bantering that 
I can actually find the locations that we're supposed to be delivering this to. <laughs> it's really cute. Oh I love gosh, those that scenes. Totally, okay. That's one of those where when you've been watching something for a long time and then you're tired or whatever, and that slipped by me. And now it makes, now I'm laughing <laughs> because when he said it, I was like, okay, yeah, that's funny. But now I'm like, oh, that means I forgot about his inability to find anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I really liked that. And I really liked how they murdered the all of the really annoying people that were using them. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I I mean, same points. I like that the the directors of both sides, you know, North Korean and South Korean governments were taken out and by the dads because the dads how, are protective. How cool was it that he pulled the gun out of his missing arm? Uh huh. Cool. <laughs> That was pretty creative. Yeah. That was very cool. And the final bird. But anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I also, I really loved the found family. Like, I loved that the mountain guy got to stay in South Korea and that he just, like, they bonded because they had beat the crap out of each other from the mm-hmm. little bits that I saw before I fast forwarded. Oh, yeah. And they were able to set that aside and be family instead. And I honestly think because the daughter, Wisu, she paused. She was headed to the school. She was going to do what she could to help Bong Sook. But she paused when she saw the mountain guy just crying. And I think it was her act of kindness that was just as essential to his change as anything else that happened in the long drawn out fight in the school. Mm-hmm. Because the loss of, loss of his best friend and then her kindness that removed him from the fight. So, yeah, I agree 100 percent with that. I thought that I mean, really, that was one of my favorite scenes was when Sue was like, like showed him compassion and mm-hmm. I think like in this moment of such grief for him to have this girl and and he's like and she doesn't know that, you know, he, he's been beating up her dad or any of those things. Right. She's just, you know, reaching like it's again, it's that human connection. Um, and I think that it was so beautifully done. And just the fact that he ends up kind of as her honorary uncle, um, just, you know not doing well making chicken but um doing an am- amazing job being her like i just can't even imagine right now she has these two um like super powered power people keeping an eye on her and plus her own talents mm-hmm. um she's all she's she's set um but i and i also of course loved that dushi came back and we had that little family reunion that was really lovely and um the yellow man piece because I oh, thought yeah. that, that was adorable. <laughs> so, cute. Cute. so all of the things that you've already said, one of my favorite visuals, and I remember watching it and going, okay, I need to take a little mental snapshot of it is because he's huge. The guy from North Korea and she's on her tiptoes and she's patting him on his back yes, and she's just mm-hmm. comforting him. And he's just wait, you know, just crying. Um, And the only other person that that cried and wailed in the drama quite the same that impactful was her dad when her mom died, you know? Mm -hmm. So both of them, these really big, strong, indestructible people, and they hurt so bad when they lose. I'm getting, I've had, Oh my gosh. (laughs) I've I've had a stuffy nose and everything. So I was talking to my kid about this drama the other day. He's like, are you crying? And I'm like, no, it's actually just my cold. But this time, Right now, as I'm talking about this scene, this is a, a little bit of some teariness because it was it's just they're so strong and yet they feel so much. And, to, and then like to know that how many 
bad things that they were made to do, how much destruction they were made to cause. It was, it's just, it was just such a wonderful scene. Um, so the only thing that I was hoping for that didn't happen is a bit more of a like get together family thing with the parents and the kids. Cause like after that last scene, when they do graduation and they show him like flying, they never show like, I couldn't they have had him sitting there eating chicken with dad? You know what I mean? Like he, yeah. he never gets to see because they, they were together and at least she got to go over and meet his mom and they, you know, interacted and stuff, but like he didn't ever come. And that was his partner's son, you know, like that's so the special. So we didn't get that. So I, I do, I, that was my only, like, I kind of just wanted the families to be together again for like one final scene, but we didn't get that. So. Yes. All right. So how did we feel about the post-credit scene and are we up for season two? I would much rather have the reunion as the post-credit scene than what we got. Because what we got undermined everything. It keeps the story moving forward, even though the dad stepped forward and killed those directors and they were supposed to put an end to the cycle. And I know it makes sense that, um, you know, the cycle would continue because the governments would want to continue the battle, et cetera, et cetera. But for the sense of the story, I wanted it to be done and those kids to just live as normally as possible. So I I watched that scene and then I yelled a lot. But then being up for a season two, um, that is a hard one to answer because the writing was incredibly well done. But the violence, I mean, they were having fun with the violence. And if you like that, that that's great. But that's not for me. And so I'm not sure I could take another full season of just like Juwan being mutilated over and over and over again. I'm watching the final scene right now because um i apparently stopped it oh at the credits. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, i think that so... there was people in a in at least one group and maybe on twitter they're like don't don't not watch the last scene mm-hmm. post credit like there's a post credit scene like like wait the... that's frank yeah yeah wait well and he's what? just as indestructible as the other so it doesn't surprise me that he's not dead yeah i, I don't know what he was that doing they just assumed he was dead right yeah yeah i mean they like i thought he like kind of cut his head off or whatever like no he just beat him into a pulp well and he, he was it was close decapitation like there is yeah it was definitely like he but you if could the assume. dad could come back from something like that you have to assume frank can Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But... Oh my! <laughs> I don't they were getting the reaction live. That's funny. <laughs> goodness. <laughs> I just yeah, I think said... the people on Discord said something, so I looked for it. Yeah. Otherwise, Imagine I just happened to let it run because, like, all the rest of them had gone to straight black at the credits. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. it's over. But this one, they had the fireworks going after mm-hmm. Bong Sook had flown into the atmosphere. I'm like, boy, you can't breathe. I don't care how much you can fly. You can't breathe. <laughs> so I was kind of waiting for him to come down. And instead, they cut to the post credits. And I was like, yeah. oh. Yeah. So clearly, the Americans are the big villains. And, yeah. well, and gonna, that's what like yeah. they they kind of like pieced out and then we got all this other backstory all this other story and so that we circling back around to them and going of course they're not going to give up yeah whatever whatever reason they were wanting to kill the other agents like it's still there and they established early on that frank was was not the only one right um so i for me i feel like it yes of course if you just kill 
the, t- the people they had in pat like over the programs that doesn't solve the problem. And it's kind of naive to think that it would. It's also naive to think that you've got kids who have powers and you also have powers and people knew about it, that the problem is just going to go away. So I think it just, to me, spoke to a bigger story and whether that story plays out in more of the original content of the webtoon, which is what, how it, the, the story was originally read and, and experienced, or if it comes into a drama, you know, that is important to know that something, you know, other things have to happen for them to be able to live a, a happy, happily ever after forever. I kind of want to read the webtoon now, to yeah. be right? perfectly honest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and um, the person who wrote the screenplay is the person who did the webtoon. Yes. So it was a very consistent of like representation of what the original webtoon was about and, and all of that, the writing. I think I was happier before I knew that there was this uh, <laughs> post-credit scene because I was like, oh, it's the perfect ending. You've yeah. got, you know, the chicken shop people and mm-hmm. she's got a new uncle and, you know, like we've got uh, mom and dad are back together and you and Husu are going to like, you know, be able to keep connecting and like, yeah, I was good with that. But um, I mean, I see why they put this in. I, I don't know. I was I was okay before watching the final credits. Mm-hmm. I didn't I don't really need a season two because I feel mm-hmm. like this was so tightly written. It was just a great, great drama. What about you, K Muse? Did you Um, I kind of feel the same as you guys did. So I don't know if I have anything to add to that. Yeah. <laughs> I know that if there's a season two, I will at least check oh, I'll it be out. watching. Because I feel oh, like yeah. that they'll just add new characters that will get backstory to and then they'll, yeah. well, they'll make us Especially love them if and... it's the same writer, script yeah. writer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was I wouldn't yeah. mind less uh maybe they won't focus so much on the indestructible people. And then we can back <laughs> off of that because like the mom's character, it, the her action scenes and how she took people out and all of that stuff, that mm-hmm. was the was better so action fighting. Yes. 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 You know, so. Oh, she's yeah. so smart and talented and just, uh, oh, I love and her. Like when he came in and flew in and, and all of that, that was also, and I loved the team that, that him and the, the, the other dad created and were able to do because it wasn't so brutal when you know he wasn't fighting mm-hmm. people that also had the same power so I think there's room for if they do one I'll check it out if they don't sure. I'm good with the ending so if they do one I hope there's a time jump I need the younger kids not to be teenagers anymore and I need them <laughs> to be a little bit more proficient at their skills yeah so yeah yeah I don't want to just see the parents protecting kids thing again yeah so. All right. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to hear what you thought about this episode. You can reach us on Twitter, Facebook, or on our Patreon page. The links are in our show notes. We love blogging about Asian dramas, but behind the scenes, we have so much more to say and want to share it with you. And talking is so much faster than typing.